Come on, Red Rocks, let's lift up a shout of praise to the Waymaker, the Miracle Worker, the Promise Keeper. Tell him who he is. Woo! He's in this place. Do you believe that? Hey, don't you dare sit down. Keep it going and make some noise for all of our other locations watching this right now, including all three of our God Behind Bars services. We love you guys so much. Ready for a good day at church? Hey, don't sit down, don't sit down. Until I say this to you, because I feel like God wants me to. You are not here by accident. So don't tune in tonight like this is accidental that you're here. This is on purpose, orchestrated by the creator of the universe. And if you're here for the first time tonight, you are not crashing this party. You are the guest of honor at this party. We throw these parties for you and we're glad you're here. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Give away two high fives and you can take a seat. And welcome to week two of our series, Take Home Faith. Last week, Sean kicked this series off by quoting Jesus from Matthew 7, 25. And here's what Jesus said. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. That's called a foundation. Rain poured down, the river flooded or a tornado hit. But nothing, and I mean nothing, moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. I want to call this message today, if you're taking notes, check your circle. Check your circle. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. God, I thank you so much for a church to call home. I thank you for the local church, your hope for reaching this world, your plan for reaching the lost. And I thank you that it deeply matters that we gather here today and that we open your word and that we sing to you and that we pray. God, it deeply matters. There is eternal significance to this moment. I pray you'd continue to make Red Rocks Church a, a city on a hill that refuses to be hidden and make each of our locations lighthouses that continue to shine brighter and brighter to guide more and more prodigals home. Meet us here today, right where we're at. We don't need a church service. We don't need three points in a poem. We need your presence. We need to experience you and encounter the living God. That's what we ask for boldly. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Well, our theme for this year is 160. Seven. Let me explain that. Who knows by now how many hours are in a week? There you go. 168. We use it like this. This year, our theme is going to be using the one hour that we're in church to equip you and empower you to experience God and follow Jesus in your 167. And there are four things specifically that we're going to zero in on this year to do that. Four things to build the foundation of our faith. Four ways to do exactly what Jesus just said and build our lives on solid rock. And those four things are God's word, prayer, worship, 
and God's people. Now, make no mistake, those things are not church things. Those things are human things. So we're not just going to do those things in church. We're going to put those things into practice in our 167 because, because, guys, listen to me. One hour a week is not enough. If this hour, the hour that you're in church, is the only time that those four things are a part of your life, it's not going to be enough when the storms that Jesus was talking about hit. One hour is not enough. So this is a series about take-home faith, because our faith needs to travel if our faith is going to work. And your foundation of faith needs four things, truly. Truly, four things. We take all four of them seriously. If you miss out on one of those four things, it might as well be like a stool with three legs. I pity the fool that sits on that stool. Amen? That's going to stick in your head. I promise you, a decade from now, you're going to remember that stool sermon. Oh, yeah, my foundation. And you're gonna, it's, it's going to come back, I promise you. Just a public speaking Tip and tactic, don't worry about it. Prayer, God's people, the word of God, and worship. The four elements that make up your foundation of faith. And today we are gonna, we are gonna zero in on the, the topic of people, God's people and relationships. And here's, here's what I'm gonna convince you of right off the bat. It's this, you are a relational being made in the image of a relational God. You're a relational being made in the image of a relational God. And I'll show you that in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Here's what it says. And by the way, this is God talking, okay? He says, let us make human beings in our image to be like like us. So if you're like me and you're reading that, you're like, well, this is Genesis one. This is back in the beginning when it's just God. So who's God talking to? Does he have like a personality disorder like Gollum? Let, let us make human beings in, in our image. Like, is God alone? Well, yeah, he is. Oh, well, so is he by himself? Nope. Oh, well, that's confusing. Yeah, very. Well, can you explain it? I'll try to simplify it as much as possible. God is a trinity. One essence, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Try unity, trinity, right? God is within himself the three best friends anybody could have. God is within himself a community, and you are made in his image, which is why you have this intrinsic pull towards other human beings. This is how we are wired. This is why Friends is globally the most watched TV show of all time. There's a reason you want what those characters have with each other. And I would argue it's because you're made to experience and have what those characters have with each other. You are a community being designed for community and you need to follow Jesus for yourself, but you are not designed to follow Jesus by yourself. So somebody say, check your circle, check your Circle. Well, Doug, how do we do that? I'm so glad that you asked. I actually have three ways. And you can find all three ways in two verses in Hebrews chapter 10. And here they are. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day 
approaching. So me, I noticed three things right off the bat. Spur and be spurable. I made up spurable. Pastors can do that. We make up words all the time to make points. Spur and be spurable. Draw a bigger circle and never give up on community. So let's go through all three. Hebrews chapter 10, 24, once again, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So my first point, spur and be spurable. Spur and be spurable. So I I did some research this week, and it turns out, you guys, good spurs don't hurt horses. So you can sleep soundly tonight. The horses are okay. When you have a properly designed spur mixed with the thickness of the horse's skin, the horse feels pressure but not pain and runs a better race because of it. So back in college, my little brother Ryan and I, we got, we got really into running. I'm still not sure why, but we got, we got, we got into a jogging phase. Or it might be jogging. It might be a soft J. I'm not sure. But apparently you just run for an extended period of time. And so we were like, okay, we can get into this. And we kind of take things from like zero to 60 pretty quickly. And so right away, after a few months of jogging, we're like, I think we're ready for the big time. And so we registered for the Denver Marathon. One month out. This is ambitious because up to this point in my life, the farthest I had ever run was just a few miles, okay? If you don't know, a marathon is 26.2 of those miles. But for me and Ryan, we're like, ah, you know, we're bucket list guys. It doesn't matter how fast we run it. We just want to run the whole thing without stopping so we can cross run a marathon off of our bucket list. And so for your humor... Here was our training regimen, okay? Three Sundays out is when we started training. I don't recommend this. Three Sundays out, we just ran for a little bit. That's it. And then we took the week off, stretched a few evenings. And then two Sundays out, we just ran a little bit again. A little farther, and then stretched throughout the week. And then the Sunday before, The Sunday before race day, here's what we said. We huddled up and said, okay, we're going to split up this time. You go left, I'll go right, and we're both just going to run as far as we can. (laughs) And then we'll be ready to run a marathon next week. And so we split up. Ryan went that way. I went this way. And I'm not exaggerating this. I'm not making this up. I run for 15 minutes before I start to feel angry and tired and questioning what's the point of this and asking myself what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 28, verse one, only a fool runs when no one chases him. That is in the Bible, Red Rocks Church. And that's not to condemn any of you runners. That's for those of you like me who wanna justify the fact that you quote unquote, don't do cardio. Yeah, you're welcome. So 15 minutes in, I'm like, this is dumb. I'm winded. And so I I kid you not, I turn around to run home. And then the bus stops at the bus stop. And I notice that's the bus that goes by my house. And so I hopped on the bus and took the bus home and got home. Ryan, Ryan like comes in like two hours after I get home. And he's just like, because he stuck with the plan and ran as far as he could, made it like two hours, gets home. And he's like, bro, how much should I beat you by? And I'm like, oh, a couple minutes, man. (laughs) We're totally ready for next week. I didn't tell him about the bus until like a few years after this. I was too ashamed. But we were like, yeah, we're ready. We're ready. 
So race day, race day comes along. We wake up at, uh, at 4.30 in the morning. We stretch, eat our Wheaties, lace up our Nikes, eat a bunch of those energizing jelly beans that don't do crap. <laughs> Go downtown Denver and start running. And we stuck together the entire way. And this might surprise you. It was the most three, like miserable three hours and 59 minutes of my entire life. But we made it the entire way and ran an entire marathon without stopping. Guys, I give God the credit. It's him, not me, guys. Or our training regimen. <laughs> the entire thing without Stopping without, and I know you're, you're thinking this, you're thinking that must have been such an amazing feeling. Like what a, what a feeling of relief to cross the finish line. I thought it would be. However, by that point, I was so angry and closer to death than I've ever been in my entire life. I'm not kidding you. Like uh, this was not good for, it's don't do this. It's not good for your body to do something like that without training. For like two weeks, I literally couldn't walk upstairs. You know, like when it's been a while since you did, like it's been a long time since you worked out and then you do a leg workout. Some of you are like, no, I don't. <laughs> well, it really hurts. This is that on steroids. And so I like slept on our couch downstairs because I couldn't walk upstairs. I couldn't go to class for a week, not because I was lazy, but because there's too many staircases on CU's campus. My point is this, and I do have one. Um... <laughs> On my own, I ran for 15 minutes and then took the bus home. With my brother, I ran 26.2 miles, even though I had no business being on that course. But we made it, and we did it only because, and I mean this, only because we would not let each other quit, and we spurred each other on to finish strong. So why does the writer of Hebrews challenge us to spur each other on? I think it's because he knows how common of a story it is to quit and take the bus home. So we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but we know who Hebrews was written for. The Hebrews, right? Like you little theologians. Recently converted Jews who were being faced with the storms of life Jesus talked about, who were tempted to quit and go back to the way things used to be because that's what, that's what they were used to. I can relate to that. I don't know if you can or not. Like you have your way of doing things and then Jesus crashes in onto the scene and interrupts your regularly scheduled program, saves your soul and calls you to a new life. And it's amazing and it's awesome, but it's not easy. Like whoever told you Christianity was easy or safe was lying to you. Following Jesus ain't for the faint of heart. And I'm telling you statistically, the number one determining factor by far for where you will be in life and in your faith five years from now are the people you are running with. Check your circle because those who are closest to you will either push you towards God or pull you away. There is not a third option. So do you spur your people on to run the race that God has marked out for them? Do you care about them finishing strong? 
Do you call them to a higher level? Can you take personally somebody else's destiny, right? Maybe this is a better question. Can they spur you on? Are you spurable? Can you be called out? Can you be challenged without being offended? Can you be, you can be emotional without being fragile. Have you given those closest to you permission to check your blind spots, right? Iron sharpens iron. And by definition, that doesn't always feel good. But if no sparks fly, nobody is getting better. Do you have people who make you better? Corey Miller is that person in my life. A few months ago, I was backstage right before preaching, having a pity party, venting to Corey about how I felt just, I just felt too flawed and and imperfect and not worthy and was just feeling like so much shame telling him I can't get out there and talk about Jesus. And I was just, I was just venting and Corey looked at me and said, bro, I love you. But if you thought this had anything to do with you in the first place, <laughs> he said, if you really think your imperfections mean that a perfect God can't, like he said, not only is that dumb, that is negligence to the grace that you preach about. That's what he told me right back there. And then he said, now you go preach. And I came out here and preached and it was, it was some of the most fun I ever had preaching. Look at me. Having buddies is easy. Having real friends who will tell you what you need to hear even when you don't want to hear it who will call you out and spur you on, who call you to a higher level, who care that you finish strong. Well, that will require from you thick skin and resilience. But if you are willing and if you will give yourself to it, your spurable skin will tell good stories that you lived with great people as you made each other better and ran your race together. You have to run your race for yourself, but you can't run it by yourself, and you can go faster alone, but we can go farther together. Amen? Check your circle. Spur and be spurable. Number two, draw a bigger circle. Draw a bigger circle. Hebrews 20, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10, 25. Encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I was thinking this week, do you know what encouragement is? I, I want to say like encouragement. I would describe it this way, relational generosity, which would make gossip relational stinginess. And here's how I'll, I'll show you what I mean. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Another translation would say, he who refreshes, she who refreshes will be refreshed. And those who help others are helped. And so Judah Smith used this verse to talk about the size of your soul. And I think the bigness of your soul is synonymous with the richness of your relationships. I'll say that again. The bigness of your soul, I think, is synonymous with the richness of your relationships. And so since we're talking about checking your circle in this sermon, imagine this circle right here is my relational richness, okay? So if somebody hurts me, 
or disagrees with me or doesn't text me back, well, then I can just draw a slightly smaller circle excluding them. Unfollow. Which on social media, not that big a deal. But in real life, when on average you really do life with four to to 12 people, that's a big deal. However, by the way, this is a natural reaction when we're hurt, right? It's called self-preservation. It's one of the things that made Jesus so counterintuitive because he was generous with his circle drawing. So if you hurt Jesus, if you betrayed Jesus, if you crucified Jesus, well, then Jesus would draw a bigger circle, including you in that circle. That is so against our culture, the air that we breathe. Our default setting as human beings is to be relationally stingy, not relationally generous. However, if you're not careful, the fate of so many will also be yours because you'll continue to draw slightly smaller circles and slightly smaller circles and slightly smaller until one day you find yourself very small on the inside and perhaps the only one in your circle. Check your circle and draw a bigger one because here's what I know about all of us. We all want to be rich in relationships. We already saw that's how we're made. We're wired to want to be rich in relationships. That's why Mother Teresa called loneliness the most terrible poverty. We are relational beings made in the image of a relational God. Here's what I know, Red Rocks. God wants you to be rich in relationships uh, by being famous to a few. God wants you to be rich in relationships by being famous to a few. Hebrews tells us the way to be rich in relationships, and listen to me because it's counterintuitive. It's not by what you take from them because that would make sense. I want love and belonging, so I'll take it, right? It's not by what you take from them. It's by what you give. Part of me wonders, like, why community? Like, I wonder if community is always so problematic because we show up as consumers of community rather than cultivators of community. Going from relationship to relationship and and church to church, looking to only withdraw without ever looking to deposit. Like, can I be real with you? To me, that sounds a lot like bank robbers. (laughs) Give me all your encouragement. (laughs) Encourage me. See me. Fill me up, right? Complete me. And while I get that, Desire because all of us just want to be, all of us just want to know and be known by other people and by God. And so it's intuitive to to do that. Fill me up. However, the writer of Hebrews is showing us that's not going to go well for you. Like when you show up to any relationship or any church or any group thinking somebody better encourage me, somebody better make me feel seen, I get that, but it's never gonna go well because he's saying people can't give you what only a perfect God can give you. In the economy of love and belonging, he is the bank account that never runs dry. He is your source. And it's when you understand that, that you now show up to relationships with something to give because you no longer need to take anything to fill a void because that's been done for you. And that's why Proverbs would say that he or she who refreshes others will be refreshed 
from the source. Because if God can get it through you, then God can get it to you. Amen? Amen. If he can get it through you, then he can get it to you. Honestly, the way to get more of anything good from God is by giving away what you already have. Because you become a vessel. You're just, like, all you're doing is deciding to not block his generosity that he wants to give to other people through you. And you watch, man, when you show up, if you need encouragement and you show up now thinking, okay, who can I encourage? Man, you watch what happens. Or if you feel like I just, I need to be seen, I challenge you, go make somebody else feel seen and watch how your God makes you feel seen. When people understand this, I'm telling you, it's like you're like the world of the generous, like the soul of the generous gets larger and larger and you feel it like you want to be around those kinds of people. Brian Zabel, a.k.a. BZ, he is our group life director at Red Rocks Church. He's that kind of guy. You want to be around him. And let me tell you why. It's not because of what he makes you think about him. It's what he makes you feel about yourself. Because he shows up full looking to deposit, looking to give, looking to to build you up, looking to spur you on, looking to encourage you. And because of that, like I noticed that this is true about Brian. He is just, to me, he seems always refreshed. It's sometimes even annoying. I'm like, even in stressful seasons, BZ, how are you so refreshed? Oh, you're refreshed because you refresh. You're constantly encouraged because you constantly encourage. So in any social setting, any date you're ever on, in the lobby after church, I'm an extrovert and and that intimidates me and makes me nervous. So if you're an introvert, I am so sorry. I can't even imagine. So let's just, let's just make this simple. Your word, simply put, is deposit. Just deposit. Watch how practical this is. I'm telling you, and I learned this from some of the best, okay? BZ would be one of them. Just have like three questions. If you're nervous about these kinds of settings or a group when you sign up for a group today, if you get nervous, have three questions you can ask somebody about them so they can talk about them and then listen and pick one thing they said and encourage a minute. And I swear, overnight, you'll be a social genius. I swear. People will want to be around you because of what you make them feel about themselves. Refresh and be refreshed. The life of the generous, the relational richness of the relationally generous gets bigger and bigger. Check your circle and draw a bigger one. And finally, and Ben, you can come out. Never give up on community. Hebrews 10, 25, do not give up meeting together. Makes you wonder what the backstory behind this was. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Never give up on Christian community. Check your circle because I'm telling you, statistically, your circle, and this is important, your circle might just be the reason you are still following Jesus or not, five years from now. This is the reason we do groups at Red Rocks. 
This is why we take it seriously. I'm asking you, not about church. In your 167, do you have a circle? Do you have a community running in the same direction as you, encouraging you and spurring you on? Because if not, then today's your day. This is your weekend and you have been, you've been prayed for. There's a classic preacher quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I pray that we feel the weight of that. Because when we feel the weight, it often leads to action. Man, I'm telling you, you show me your five closest friends, I'll prophesy for you your next five years. Take inventory of your relationships. Who are you running your race with? Don't ask yourself who will ride in the limousine with you. Ask yourself who's gonna walk to the bus stop with you when the limo breaks down, amen? I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Babylon in the book of Daniel. Don't ask yourself who's gonna party in the palace with you. Ask yourself who's gonna stick with you when it comes time for the fiery furnace. Because I'm telling you, real friends fireproof your faith. You can't do this alone. If you stand by yourself, you will fall by yourself. Even Paul knew this. He wasn't strong enough on his own. David knew this. Jesus had a, he had a circle. I think of the, the lame man on the mat in Mark chapter two. His friends brought him to Jesus to be healed. And I was thinking about that guy earlier this week. He did something right because that was his circle. Don't ask yourself who's gonna vacation with you in Cancun. Ask yourself who will tear a hole off in the roof to get you to Jesus when the storms of life come your way. That's why we build community at this church. That's why family is a fourth of our foundation. Like Hebrews says, do not give up on meeting together. Get in a group. You can do that today. And if you've, if you've tried a group with Red Rocks before and it didn't work, try again. You don't give up on love because you have one bad day. Try again. If you can't find the right leader, then next semester, be that right leader, right? We need you in the game. And so here's what's gonna happen. Starting today and then continuing through next weekend, you're gonna have the opportunity to join groups at every single one of our locations in the lobbies. And so today, in the lobby, right after the service, there's gonna be some group leaders out there and you can go meet them and mingle with them and see if you find a group that's right for you. And if you don't, guess what? Next week, there's gonna be some more different group leaders out in the lobby and you can do the same thing. And guess what? All week long, starting right now, on the homepage of the Red Rocks Church app, you get a list of every single group that we have at Red Rocks Church. I am telling you, there is a group that will work for you. We have, we, like what we do, home groups, which meet in living rooms at people's houses and dive further into the, the message from the previous weekend. We have support groups where you can be in community with people that you have shared life experience with. We even have freestyle groups. It's a new thing. We're calling them freestyle groups and they create space for you to experience God and find family with other people doing something that you enjoy, something that you love. Everything from reading groups all the way to rock climbing groups and everything in between. We even have running groups, even though we just saw that's not biblical. We know family is so important 
We take this so seriously because we know this is where the real life change happens. If you think life change has happened in this room one hour a week, I agree with you, but man, you just wait until you start implementing those four things into your 167. Real life change happens when you lock arms and do life with fellow believers outside of these four walls. And so I am challenging you. I'm imploring you. I don't know a stronger verb than that. Sign up for a group and then show up for it. And then show up again and then show up again and don't give up. You are a community being designed for community and eventually it will take. Eventually something will click because I'm telling you, this is for you. I've been excited to preach this all week because, and I mean this, this might be the one part of my faith where I can say, I think I did that right. It's the one sermon where I don't have to preach from a, a glaring weakness, so give me this, okay? <laughs> when it comes to checking your circle, I feel like Nick Saban sometimes recruiting for my circle. It is full it is full of people who love God as much as, if not more than I do. I married one of them and they don't let me quit and they don't let me settle. In fact, 10 years ago in college, I was with my, uh, my brother Ryan and my best friend Ethan. We were new to our faith and we got invited one night to, to join our very first group. And I'll never forget that drive. I drove and we made a pact on the way that night and we said, no matter what these Christian guys say, we will never stop partying. <laughs> and we never have. We just throw different kinds of parties now. They look different. They look like church services because fast forward 10 years, I now lead our Austin location with those two guys. And the group we met that night is a huge reason why. To this day, they still call me, still text me. I do the same thing for them, spurring them on and encouraging me. I'm telling you, this circle does not let me take the bus home. Amen? At every location, will you jump up to your feet? Man, I believe the Spirit of God is in this place right now at all of our locations. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you to encounter Him. There's no place like the present. There's no time like right now. There's nothing He'd rather do than spend time with His kids. And we're about to sing a worship song. In my opinion, it's one of the most powerfully written worship songs about God's perseverance to never stop pursuing relationships specifically with you. There's no shadow he will not light up. There's no mountain he will not climb up coming after you. There's not a fight that he won't pick. There's not a wall that he won't tear down to be in a relationship with you. And so as we praise him and fix our focus on him, on the one who drew a relational circle around the entire world and has not given up on pursuing community and relationship with you, I pray that you start to find your story in his story. And as you proclaim to him who he is, you would be reminded of that and begin to go and do likewise, to never, never, never give up on community. I am telling you, it is worth the fight. It is worth the pain. It is worth 
the process. People always are. That's what Jesus taught us. And so spur and be spurable in your circle. Give your people permission to check your blind spots and tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it because they want to see you be better and they want to see you finish strong. Speak life. Build people up. Refresh. And you will find yourself being refreshed and never give up. Never give up on community. My prayer for today, even in the lobby, is that something supernatural would take place. And it wouldn't just be us going up and signing for random, signing up for random life groups. I've been praying all week, God, you orchestrate it. Lead people to the right group. Let there be no mistakes that testimonies might happen because of what takes place this weekend. Even when people sign up on an app all week and they're holding their phone in their hands, I'm like, God, let that be supernatural. Orchestrate that. Get people into the right group to find family. I'm telling you, if you try, you will find family at this church. If you try. It's my prayer for you that you would find the courage to take one small step. Fear is real and I get it, but it has zero right to call the shots in your life, especially around a topic this important. That's my prayer for you this week and my prayer for you this year is that you might find yourself getting richer and richer in relationships by being famous to a few. Amen? God, we love you. Let nothing about what happens in the lobby, the lobbies at any of our campuses, on the phones, on the Red Rocks app, choosing life groups, let nothing be by accident. God, do something supernatural. Lead people to the right groups. Give people courage to take that step. Give people the courage to draw bigger circles and give people the benefit of the doubt and forgive where forgiveness needs to be extended. Help us to do that. Jesus, relationships are so, so worth it. We check our circles. We take inventory of our lives and our friendships. We thank you for leading the way. Meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen.